Greetings Grapple fans and welcome back to the return of a series that was supposed to be a special December treat both for you listening and for us recording so we could take the rest of December off. My goodness that's not how anything turned out. What are we talking about? We are talking about Rerun the Rivalry, the podcast within the Let Me Tell You Something podcasting canon in which myself, the Let Me Tell You Something co-host, Lorcan Mullen, and your other Let Me Tell You Something co-host, Simon Cross, discuss a series of matches between two great wrestlers that has stood the test of time and have created some of the most popular matches that we've ever had in modern professional wrestling. And we've started it off with the match series that essentially brought New Japan Pro Wrestling to the point that it quite recently, at time of recording, had a whole pay-per-view event in California, headlined by these two men reigniting this rivalry. Simon, we got down 10 matches until your throat just couldn't take it anymore. (laughs) Interesting way of wording things. That's not the first time your throat's given up after 10 entrants. But what are we talking about, and where are we for this match? We are talking about the ongoing rivalry between Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kazuchika Okada. And this match that we're focusing on is a very special one. Like the show in the 80s and 90s, it's a bit of a record breaker. Okada, deep into his glorious, glorious title reign is about to overtake an individual in terms of consecutive title defences. That individual is Hiroshi Tanahashi. And Okada, because he's a spiteful, spiteful bastard, (laughs) challenges Tanahashi to be the man to break the record against. Yeah, well, Okada has been taught that dedication is what you need if you want to be the best by those matches with Tanahashi. This is a very long gap between matches for them. I think it might be their longest one since Okada came back from his learning excursion. Because this is taking place, I think, in April of 2018. 5th of April. 5th of April. And the last match that we watched was in August 2016, where they wrestled to a 30-minute draw, denying both of them the ability to top the block in the G1 Climax and allowing Hiroki Goto to get what are you doing here? <laughs> to get there instead. The two sweetest words of the English language, default. Default. <laughs> I don't understand. That was non-alcoholic champagne. <laughs> and in the time between then and now, Okada had recently won the IWGP Heavyweight Championship back from Tetsuya Naito, who had turned to the Ingobernable personality and won the title for the first time, but Okada got it back pretty much first time of trying, and has been on a streak of wins and high-quality matches, the likes of which we may not see again, even from Okada or from anyone, for a long, long time. That IWGB Heavyweight Championship reign that we're coming towards the key point of now, in him trying to break the record that Tanahashi had sets is really what Okada hangs his hat on I think to this day when people argue is Okada the best of all time or one of the best of all times it's probably these this two-year run that makes that case for you and that I guess the sense is he's never quite measured up to since then and it's funny that you say it because the way that this was presented with this match is that you thought going in it was going to be the most respectful match between the two of them Mm. That this is post-feud, really. This is post-hatred. That Wrestle Kingdom 
main event where Okada was finally able to beat Tanahashi on the biggest stage and claim the ace title. And then they had their 30-minute time limit draw, so it was a sign that whilst Okada is the superior one, Tanahashi is still the one that's would have his number more than anyone. But since then, Tanahashi has been defeated in his series of matches with Tetsuya Naito. So even the status of being like the number two of the promotions really gone by the wayside. And with Kenny Omega's ascent as well, you could argue he's not even number three. Like at best, he's number four at this point now. And that's not the space that uh, Tanahashi ever wants to live in. No, but it's kind of where his body's forced him to live in at this point. Because when Okada challenges Tanahashi to the match, there's a sense that Tanahashi probably isn't the right one in, in to be waiting in line at this point that uh, should be getting the next title shots. In the post-match angle after this, we kind of maybe see the person that everyone thinks needs to be the guy who challenges Okada for the title. And so in that moment, it almost seems like Okada's honoring Tanahashi that if I am to break your record, I need to beat you again in order to do so. And... You know, it's a sign of great respect. You are the ultimate challenge. When you look at it as the match goes on in this f- formula afterwards, because it is Okada that raises the challenge to Tanahashi, so it's almost like a, you know, an offering of a gift. Yeah. And then in the match itself, it definitely seems like Okada just wants to rub in Tanahashi's nose how much better he is than him now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, people may have had the interpretation that he was being nice and respectful. But like you say, as the as the action unfolds, it's just Okada being a prick. <laughs> yeah, this is essentially a return to heel Okada that really had disappeared a few years before. I mean, he even at one point mimics the pose that he did on Tanahashi when he won the match in the surprise first title win. Where the cocky twenty-three-year-old Okada put his foot on the down Tanahashi. It's great because in the pre-match package they do run that moment back. I didn't realise this at the time, but you—you you just got red shoes just talking to him like, "Come on, mate, what are you doing?" It's so funny because the moves are basically the same because of how they put them, how they structure them, and everything. It's an entirely different kind of story and an entirely different kind of dynamic to what we've had before, including that G One climax. In a way, Simon, you're. Your throat giving in was uh, a boon to the show. Because <laughs> if there's a logical break point to look at almost an epilogue, that the rivalry has died out, but the, you know, just the requirements of New Japan are that you will face other people over and over again. Yeah. So maybe the hatred's gone, although it feels like Okada's still working out some issues with his feelings towards Tanahashi in this yes. match. This isn't a rivalry in the sense of who's the best. This is clearly now. Like, Okada is almost... He's not as far away from Tanahashi as Tanahashi was far ahead of him in their first match when Okada's a young lion. Mm. But it was like, if you say that, like, during their rivalry, you'd expect their record against each other to be, like, in ten matches, Okada would win five or six and Tanahashi would win four or five. Now it feels like it'd be like Okada would win eight, nine. Yeah. And Tanahashi would win one or two. At least as the story's told at the start. But what's curious is that this actually turns out to be, after such a long wait between matches, the first part of a trilogy of matches that they have again in 2018 that tells an entirely different kind of story. And Tanahashi is the protagonist in a different kind of story that they didn't even necessarily intend to tell. But then the situation changed that it did tell this story. The whole first 
part of this match is it's so one-sided and it's so also they're both playing for the crowd but in this one Okada is just very happy to be the heel for this match he's essentially as I've said he's kind of been like Ric Flair when he's the touring world champion at this point yeah in the matches where he needs to be the face he's the face in the matches where he needs to be the heel he's the heel that's what we go back and forth on like he's a face when he's against Omega and Marafuji he's a heel when he's against Shibata or Tanahashi he's a face against Naito he's a heel you know so on and so forth it's sort of that he's got so big as a character now. He, he transcends face heelness. He's just him. Mm. And it, it's, like you say, it's more who he's up against, which denotes how the crowd react to him. He's not changing who he is. It's just how the people around him interact with him that shapes the perception that the audience have of him. It's a match far more about the emoting than it is the moves, I think. Mm. And it's also... It's curious how Tanahashi plays this role of of being so vulnerable. And not in... I guess he was vulnerable in the sense... In the first couple of matches after Okada comes back. Where he's kind of been surprised by this youngster. And then has to take one hell of a shit kicking in their Dominion match. In order to come back and win the title. But that's more of a mental vulnerability. That's that's underestimating someone. Yeah. This is different. Yeah, I mean, but there's things throughout this match. Like, Tanahashi now, occasionally, when he runs across the corner after he's whipped, he'll move in such a way that it seems like every part of his body's in agony as he's <laughs> making it across the corners. And I'm always wondering how much of that is genuinely this is how Tanahashi can move now. And mm. how much of that is Tanahashi knows that he's seen as the older, wiser wrestler who's maybe not as physically got as much left in the tank as he did in his prime and so he plays up to that like when he does his trademark leaping over the top rope to get on and climb up for a high fly flow he kind of screws up yeah and the way that he does it is it makes you think did he screw up there or was that used as a means to show that he is physically just really hurting and everything's a struggle for him now like, was that an act, or is that genuinely how Tanahashi can move now? And it's wonderful that you can take something and, like, was that a mistake or not? And it works within the story of the match that's being presented as well. Mm. I mean, like you say, it's how he's presenting himself that, that gives him that, that scope. If he genuinely made a mistake, he can sort of get away with it. But, he's so, like you say, he's so skillful enough where it's like, well, he could have quite easily have been... I know what you know, but do you know that I know what you know kind of thing with it? It's also one where they're playing far more to the crowd than they have done in more of the recent matches. Tanahashi is willing the crowd to give him the strength, like he's Hulk Hogan, prime era Hulkamaniac. (laughs) And Okada just, because the crowd want to boo him, he's like, all right, I'm going to have some fun with this. And poses and mocks and pulls faces and is enjoying himself in the ring. He's relishing this guy that, pushed him harder than anyone did before now it's almost in the first half of the match again it's kind of a luxury to him and in a way that's mirroring the wrestle kingdom match where tanahashi defeated him and sent him crying because for the first half of that match okada was in control and thought he had everything under it but then it turns out it wasn't the case Mm. that tanahashi still had something within him and that's and that really is the story of this whole year that tanahashi still has this willpower to go and i mean 
And it's so funny though watching it. It's like how far he's fallen in the sense of his status. Like Don Callis early on literally says he has nothing to lose. No one expects him to win this match. I mean, in that yeah. G1 Climax match, the last match they had less than two years ago, it was still a sense of both of these guys desperately vying for it. Tanahashi still Titans has what... of the yeah. uh, organization. Yeah, Tanahashi still has what it takes to to do to hurt Okada in ways that no one else can and. But now it's like this poor old man. Oh, man. Maybe we should throw the towel in. That's how bad it is for him. <laughs> Come on, Grandad. Let's get you to bed. Mm. I mean, Don's... It's weird because Don in this match is very much pro-Tanahashi. But sort of hope rather than yeah. expectation. Yeah. Because he, he hates the corporate side of Okada. He's very good in this match on commentaries, Don. But saying Don Callis is good on commentaries sort of... Stating the obvious by now. Hmm. Tanahashi, he's still trying to use his head at certain times. Like, he lures Okada into a backdrop and catches his leg. But the elbow's down on the knee and hits a chop block. So he continues to target the knee, but as is always the case, he makes sure that he can do it in a different way. He won't dragon screw because that's what he's expecting. So instead, he'll Mm. do something different. And he does, like, the air guitar pose early on when he's doing the technical exchanges just to say to Okada, I'm still here. This is still Tanahashi you're dealing with, mate. Yeah, I've still got the moves. Do you reckon he chop blocks sort of nod to Ric Flair, sort of like the older guy, the smart guy, though, the guy with all the experience? Or is it just he did a chop block because that's the position he was in? And he's not in the position now where he can afford to set himself up for like the dream leg attacks. He's got to be a bit more instinctual with it. Well, as we've always said, it's essentially him following the lineage of Fujinami and Muto as the in ring guy thinks it through you know as we've seen with muto when he wrestles that match against vader it's always like how can i level this up Mm. and when tanahashi needs to he goes to the knee he doesn't really get to do it in this match because okada just completely dominates him but i think it's just it's always going to that instinct and always going for what works for him but what has worked for him against tanahashi has always been when he's gone for the knee yeah the times he went for the arm as much as it hurt okada okada was able to get through it when Tanahashi targets Okada's knee and gets to properly go at it, then Okada's often in trouble throughout the rest of the match and can be beaten that way. Mm. But, like you mentioned, this time it feels a bit different. Yeah. Targets the head of Tanahashi with two nasty draping DDTs, one in-ring and one outside of ring. Yeah. He's toying with him, really. Like when he does the cocky chest slap, he doesn't even hit him with a forearm or anything. He just walks away. Yeah. Like, this is going to be a walk in the park for me. I just completely own you physically now. And you don't have any mental advantage over me anymore. When Tanahashi tries to hit him with forearms, Okada invites them in and then just knocks him down with one. It's just pure, like, physical domination at this point. It's a man who has the confidence now. Not, not because he's been in that position where he thought he had it all, got sent home crying has beaten him at Wrestle Kingdom now, and it's it's not like false confidence anymore. The falseness has gone from his confidence. No one questions that he's the best now. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like as annoying as Ronaldo was when he was in his pomp, he was also scoring more than a goal a game on average. Yeah. So you couldn't disagree with him. <laughs> Genetic freak that mm. he is. You'll shut down Tanahashi if Tanahashi has a moment of uh, an opportunity. And Tanahashi just has to desperately hit what he can. He does the top rope high fly flow to the outside, using it as a momentum shifter. But then he gets hit with a tombstone on the outside. 
So even all of those, that move that oftentimes was what brought him back into a match, Okada snuffs that out immediately. And again, yeah. it's callbacks to previous moves in, in previous matches. The tombstone on the outside being the harbinger of doom for Tanahashi in their first in his first loss. All those times the high fly flow worked to keep Okada down for a while. Just completely not there. One of the things about this match, it kind of reminded me, it wasn't nearly as egregious, but do you remember the the second Toshiaki Kawada Mitsuhara Masawa match that we covered for the Five Star Project? And how in the three years in between those two matches, the cliches of all Japan style was really starting to hit home. And it You mean home. the head dropping? The head dropping, just the, the length, the epicness, the formatting, to the point that it did seem like it was just fit tab a into you know whatever it was like there was a formula to it it was build a match yeah they it wasn't them inventing an exciting new formula it was them just playing to that formula and not even trying to think of anything new to do with it Mm -hmm. and there are certain things in this match that were starting to be like the matches everyone who wanted to have an epic match in, in whether it was us indie wrestling nxt new japan whatever they were doing these things they were doing the count out teases they were doing someone hitting a massive move and the other guy kicking out at one yeah that became a real big thing they were doing the guy trying to do a move and collapsing Mm. or collapsing as someone tries to hit a move to them yeah and all these things were starting to become cliches and this match just play up to them even though these matches oftentimes sort of helped invent these cliches because they were so cool when they did them for the first time but i think the difference is with this is that you've got tanahashi in there who knows how to gain a, a crowd reaction and a sympathy and keep it so that there's something in this match to hook you on outside of just the the tried and tested move sets. Yeah. It's them doing the tried and tested move set, but doing it in a this older wrestler trying to stay in with the the physically superior guy that, you know, removed him from his place at the top of the company. And a perfect example of that is when Okada goes for his uh, give me that wide shot cameraman rainmaker pose. Tanahashi nips up and gets right in his face. It's like, I, you are going to have to kill me to stop me trying yeah. to be at the top. <laughs> but, you know, you, you do get the forearm exchanges and everything. Uh, whilst there are cliches, at least it fits within the story that they're trying to make that Tanahashi's not on this level anymore. They're their cliches. They're not someone else's cliches that they're trying to like incorporate to tick, do a checklist of epicness. They are their own cliches. So that, that, that's that's fine. In many ways as well with this, it's kind of reminiscent of the later G1 Climax match that Tanahashi has with Ibushi. Mm. Where Ibushi is also like the physical superior. But there's a mental toughness you have to hold on to that Tanahashi has that even those people who are a physical superior may be lacking. Yeah. And as we learn over the course of this year, arguably in a way, Okada lacks when things don't go his way. Mm. But we'll get to that. But it is like he surprises Okada by just keep on coming up and then eventually the way that he does it is it's kind of that story of the puncher's chance where if you can just rock that guy with the right move that they don't see coming, you're in with a shout. And with this, it is like Tanahashi does go down to the forum exchanges, but he gets up and he keeps going and then he'll just hit Okada with something he doesn't see coming. Yeah. And occasionally Okada can stuff it out, but then as the match goes on, because it's about the longevity and now it's starting to accumulate for Okada... Tanahashi is fighting, clawing, inching his way back into this match. It's still more likely that Tanahashi's going to lose, but because the crowd's behind him and because he has this internal will, mm. he can still do it that his body would suggest at first that it can't. Like, that's it. The mind can 
overpower the physical limitations of the man. He's driving it like he stole it because the car was brand new a few years ago, but now it's dinged up, it's battered, but he's still got all that experience to get round the corners of the racetrack in this analogy. In many ways, Okada behaves in this match a lot of the way that Walter and Gunther does when he's the sort of domineering heel, the physical superior to his opponent, whether it's Tyler Bates or or whoever, where he dominates for ages and ages and ages, but then just gradually the other person's able to get back into it. And as soon as they're getting back into it, then Walter's trying to snuff it out immediately. And that's what Okada's doing from this point on. Like Tanahashi actually does like a taunt to Okada, like starts kicking him in the head in the same way that Okada had taunted Tanahashi early on. So Okada's like anger, but he's also like, oh shit, now he thinks he can win this match. I haven't destroyed, I haven't broken his spirit like I thought I was doing. And I know what happens. <laughs> and I know what happens usually in these situations where suddenly Tanahashi thinks he can win and I've been o- underestimating him. Yeah. I need to end this match now. And that's what it is throughout the whole of the rest of this match. Him looking for Rainmakers, for Tombstones. And Tanahashi, because he just knows more than anyone else in wrestling of how to get out of things, is still finding ways to stay out, avoid the big move and stay in the game. He's very mentally similar at that point to Mr. Black in the cramp crusty episode. Mm. I thought you said you broke their spirits. We thought we did. You broke nothing. <laughs> Runs to helicopter. <laughs> so yeah, he like Okada gets him, him with a drop kick and hits the second one, and then he's like, "Fuck it, rainmaker, this is over." Yeah, and then Tanashi's able to turn it into a sling blade, and then we go to like the gut wrench battles. That's again calling back to their classics. Okada's able to hit him with a shotgun drop kick. And Tanashi's in the corner and he's crawling, like he's crawling towards him with a big smile on his face. He's like, ha last time when this happened at Wrestle Kingdom, you were able to get one up on me. You're not getting me this time. I'm yeah. not going to cry. This mouth, this face doesn't cry. It smiles. It smiles. <laughs> but Tanashi's still able to surprise him. It's just that experience of the man just, just being displayed. Couple that with his never say die like attitude. And that's why you're right. Okada at the end is like, okay, now he has belief. I might be in trouble here. So yeah, we're going into the classic end sequences. Like, oh, Tanahashi even does a pop-up no-sell of the drop kick, and hits him with sling blade. And then they do the they recall the spot that was the beginning of the end for Tanahashi in their Wrestle Kingdom match, where he goes for the high fly crossbody and Okada hits him with the drop kick. The precision and the timing you need to do that to know where Tanahashi's body's going to be for your feet to hit it for the drop kick. I don't think people appreciate, even though we all think how amazing Okada is, we sometimes don't appreciate just how amazing he is until you see other people try to do what he can do, you know? When you make the insane look ordinary, that is the hallmark of being truly brilliant. Or with the drop kick, when you make the ordinary look insane. There you are. We are we are blessed to like experience Okada. He is insane. Mm. There's no other word for it. We are living in a truly special time. Yeah. Then Tanahashi just kind of goes on a slap offensive. You know, he's kind of like that uh, that that camp dad in the high school musical South Park episode. <laughs> I'll slap you! Slap and he slaps, <laughs> slap, slap! But it's like the most fundamental and basic, and obviously within New Japan, the importance of the slap as well, from Inoki onwards. It's enshrined in New Japan tradition. It is crazy. You can get like, I feel like you could get a history degree in new japan yeah <laughs> i know everything's because i was chatting to a guy who listens to the podcast and uh, he was recommending a nakamura tanahashi match for us to cover ah. and i was like you could argue that if we were to do the next rerun the rivalry 
like other candidates. Tanahashi Nakamura is a perfect one because in that one, that was ultimately Tanahashi's great rival before Okada came along. But they grew up in the same generation, whereas mm. so it was a battle for the, that was his previous battle for the ace role within New Japan before Okada came along. But then I was just thinking, like, I bet you could probably do every single series of singles matches that Tanahashi's done with any high-profile member of New Japan's roster, and probably a few of the people that he's done outside into promotional stuff with, and they tell a cohesive story over the. Well, you've mentioned that his experience, his matches with Naito, yeah, uh, before, yeah, yeah. Maybe we should just do rerun the Tanahashi. Maybe this is what we should just turn this into. Screw Danielson McGuinness. This is what we'll do from now on. Aww. But uh, yeah, and so that that was it. And then finally Okada's able to... He get, does a one kick out from the Rainmaker when Tanahashi hits it. Ducks a slap. Tries to ruin Rainmaker. Tanahashi slaps him. But he holds on to the wrist. Again, callback. Sean Raymanker, Tanahashi slaps him again, but continues to hold on to wrist control. Finally, with the third slap, Okada's able to lose control. So then it's like, uh, Tanahashi's been able to overcome what was his undoing the last time they yeah. lost to him. But very quickly, Tanahashi goes to run to the ropes, you think, for a sl- sling blade or something. But then, uh, Tan- again, it's like Okada, like Volta. I'm, sna- I'm snuffing this out now. Grabs his tights, pulls him in. Raymaker, one, two, three. Right, you're out of it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I need to get out of this now. <laughs> That's what he does. And then, for his hard work, he gets loads of free katsu. <laughs> free is free at yeah, the end of the day. I'm not going to complain. No. <laughs> Burns a lot of calories there. So, yeah. yeah maybe you should. Uh, and then afterwards, he calls Tanahashi Mr. Mister Kun. Kun-san. Teacher, maybe. Mm-hmm. But then he just says, no, you're just tough. And then he calls out Kenny Omega after he goes because he runs through all of the guys that he's beaten. It's amazing he can remember all this stuff off the top of his head, <laughs> all the defenses. And then at Oka- o- Omega he says "draw" like the second time, mm-hmm. and then so that's kind of like well, there's something a bit there's something out of place there, isn't there? He yeah. Calls out Kenny Omega. They agreed to two out of three falls, no time limit match for Dominion. And I think we've talked about that match in the past, haven't we, Simon? It's come up. Yeah. It's definitely come up. But yeah, so the story of this match is different. Like, Tanahashi never gets a moment of control, really. It, and it is pure, even more so maybe than their first couple of matches when Okada comes back. It is the most purely he'll face the crowd 100% behind one guy. <clears throat> no, the, the, Okada's not even even been the cool heel in this one. It's the it's the sentimental crowd favorite that, you know, is a sign again that Tanahashi's gotten old. He's like the, you know, come yeah. on, you can do it. <laughs> He's like Rocky Balboa in Rocky Balboa against Mason the Line Dixon. Oh. Yeah. If you're born with a name like that, you probably just have to fight, don't you? It's tradition. Anyway, so what did you, I would go somewhere between four and a half, four and three quarters with this match. And it's one of those ones where it's like, yes, you can do the moves, but you need to make something work within it. And that is, again, just what Okada does his part, but I do think it is. Like, I've, I've said my theory now of, of how I think Okada functions. It's ultimately down to the guy that he's working with that gets the most out of it, and Tanahashi just knows how to do it more than maybe anyone did. Yeah, yeah, I'm minded to go into the same ballpark. To be honest, it's it's good. It's really good. It's not their best. Okay, so the rerun the rivalry continues. I'm not sure on the release schedule. I think because we've got six matches to cover, I'll try. I think we'll try to make it fit two weeks. So we might try and do it so you get three episodes per week for two weeks 
and then we go back to our regularly scheduled let me tell you something there might be a, a five star or two in there in the interim after that but then I guess at some point we'll do the wrestler so there's that to look forward to and we've also been working on our match of the week candidates so we've got we've got plans put it that way yes 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 but until then Simon we're going to be back in 2018 but some things have changed haven't they (laughs) (laughs) oh boy have they well I mean there is a sense of familiarity we are back in the G1 as the series denotes we are talking about a a block match between uh, Okada and Tanahashi but it's a very very different Okada it is the red haired balloon popping Kokada oh yes but until then Simon if people want to get in touch with you how can they do so uh, they can get in touch with me on Twitter where I'm Senator Simon Cross Free free for the number of times they reference the crying fan in the crowd oh yeah I forgot that She was, was she a pop star or something I'm not entirely sure yeah my name's Lorcan Mullen that's L-O-R-C-A-N M-U-L-L-A for the A in aged an N for the N in knobbly knees. Obviously, ignore the silent K there. But that's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, letterbox. If you put in at gmail.com at the end of my email address. Get in touch with the show at lntyspod at gmail.com. LNTYSpod is also our Twitter and Facebook handles. But there's nothing left to say at this point except that my name's Lorcan Mullen. My name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. And I hope that now we're back on it, you'll continue with us with this journey as we rerun the ride. Well, 